and welcome to episode 53 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. I'm Brian DiNovellis, and January comes to a close, but here comes February, the time of the year in college basketball where many teams really find out who they are. Are they the team that stumbled through November in the non-conference? Are they the team that peaked on January 1st? Or are they the team that's finally putting it all together at the right time? Hey, maybe Seton Hall is one of those teams. The Pirates have won five of six after beating Butler. And boy, do they beat up on Butler once again. You talk about matchups. Butler is not a good matchup for Seton Hall. The Pirates bludgeoned the Bulldogs for the second time this season at Hinkle Fieldhouse over the weekend. So maybe Seton Hall is one of those teams that's finally putting it together at the right time. Or maybe St. John's is one of those teams that peaked in December in the non-conference. You don't know what to make of this team. They're up, they're down. They're showing signs of life. They did storm back from nine down with nine minutes to play to beat Georgetown on Sunday at MSG. St. John's is not dead yet. That is a critical matchup for the Johnnies and the Pirates this Wednesday at Carneseca Arena. We're going to talk Seton Hall. We're going to talk St. John's. We'll preview that game. We'll get to both of those teams a bit later on the podcast. But first, we begin with the best story in the Tri-State this season. It's taking place in Hackensack. As our friend Seth Greenberg would say, Harvard on the Hackensack at Fairleigh Dickinson University. The Knights have gone from worst to first in the Northeast Conference in a matter of 10 months. In case you're living under a rock or you really weren't following Fairleigh Dickinson, this is a program that unfortunately was at the bottom of not only the Northeast Conference, but one of the bottom teams in all of college basketball. There are about 360 teams in Division I men's basketball. And if you look at the net and the RPI in 2022, Fairleigh Dickinson was somewhere around 345 out of 358 teams. Four wins total in 2022. And along comes a coach by the name of Tobin Anderson from St. Thomas Aquinas in Rockland County, New York. And he has resurrected this program and turned it from worst to first in the Northeast Conference in a matter of 10 months. And if you're talking about coach of the year candidates, not just in the Northeast Conference, but the, the metropolitan area and all of college basketball, all right, he's not going to be there on ESPN with the Ed Cooleys and the Nate Oates and the Kelvin Sampsons, Matt Painter, they're going to dominate, and they will likely, one of those four will likely win the National Coach of the Year. But I'm here to tell you, Tobin Anderson deserves to be talked about and mentioned with those names. And I'm not just saying that because he's here in front of me on the Zoom screen. It's an incredible, and some would say miraculous, turnaround in Hackensack. So without further ado, here he is, the miracle man himself, Tobin Anderson. Coach, I hope I, I hope I didn't blow you up too much there. 
Well, first of all, it's the best introduction I've ever had. But I mean, it's, it's an incredible <laughs> introduction, and I really appreciate that. And some of it's true, some of it's probably a little bit um, exaggerated. But, but listen, I, I love it. Um, it's been great for the program. Like when when people mention you, that means they're mentioning your team, your program, your staff, your school. So it's always a good thing to get uh, to get mentioned. And yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy last ten months, and I don't think anybody. Um, thought we'd get to this point. We still have a long ways to go, but we're we're happy about what's been going on so far. And we understand that it's a, you know, you want to make sure you finish in February, March the right way. So we're um we're excited for the next six weeks, but it's been a great ride so far. I'm sure your players are enjoying it. I'm sure you're enjoying it. And like you said, you have unfinished business, right? You're only halfway through the Northeast Conference season. So let's go back before we talk about where the team is. I just want to ask you this. What gave you the courage and, and, you know, the foresight to say, you know what, I want to take a chance at FDU. I want to make that jump from division two and, and maybe we can do something there. When you're at division two, a lot of times we were winning very big at division two at St. Thomas Aquinas, which I, which I loved. It was a great school, great place, un- unbelievable people. So we were winning and and like, you know, at a certain point you want a new challenge and, the hard part is <laughs> a lot of times ADs and search firms don't want to hire uh, small college coaches who've been successful. They just don't mm-hmm. want to do it. They want to hire somebody else or, you know, make it, make a name, make a splash. So I credit um, the people at FDU for, for uh, reaching out to me and, and, it, and it, you know, it worked out well for me. I mean, I know, I know FDU, there's a lot of tradition there. They've won, they've won over the course of, of time. It's not far from my home. My, my wife and kids can stay in the same job, same schools. I don't, I, didn't have to, to buy a house, sell a house, you know, move, move. So that was, that was good. But for me, just, you know, there was potential, I think in this conference to uh, build a program that could compete on a yearly basis. You know, we saw more as a, probably a bigger picture and it's, and listen, it still is a big picture. It's not like we've had, we were, you know, all of a sudden we're this powerhouse in, in, in 10 months, we've had a good run. We have a lot more work to do where it's not a, a done, a done thing now, you know, we, we're not, we're not, um, you know, the, the premier program yet, you know, I mean, we like, like to get there. So um, I was excited about that. And I love the location. I love the fact that we're in the metropolitan area where I could still recruit the same areas I've always recruited my whole life, you know, DC, Philly, uh, Jersey, you know, all the, all the, all the Bergens, the county schools. I mean, I can throw a football. Well, I couldn't, Joe Burrow could throw a football and reach <laughs> and reach the best um, high school programs in the country right around us in our backyard. So it's a great recruiting area for us to 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 get the right kind of kids and we have great facilities and they want to win they want to win they want to be successful the school wants to be successful the administration wants to be successful and that's you know when when you have that when you have people behind you that want to do the right things then there's a chance to be to to, to get it going and, and to to build a championship program which we're trying to do and you've taken i guess the path that many people have have not taken coach you know little kid from the middle of Iowa and you you get your education and play basketball Wesleyan in Connecticut which is is a place near and dear to my heart right right around the corner from where I grew up in Connecticut and then you pretty much spend your entire adult life in the Northeast going through division three and you know Hamilton College and Clarkson and then on up to division two so you haven't really left this New York metropolitan area but yet like you said, you've gone from D3 to D2, then to D. I forgot about Siena as an assistant coach. So it's a pretty miraculous climb in some ways, because like you said, you weren't even a division one player. And here you are at a division one university. Can you can you talk about that and and your career path? 
Yeah, it's amazing. Like I, I still see myself as an Iowan. That's kind of that's my my background. That's where I grew up. My my family, my brother's back there now. So mm. I still see myself as a Midwestern. I've been in New York my whole life since since um basically since I got out of college. So going to Wesleyan was was an eye opener for me to meet the, you know new people and new areas and things like that. It kind of you know I most of my buddies at Wesleyan are now working on Wall Street, making all kinds of money and 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 um you know doing doing great. You know, very few people go to Wesleyan to be a coach. Like I knew I wanted to be a coach, but I, but I wanted to go there to to play at a high level of Division three basketball. Like I wanted to play Division one. I. I just wasn't good enough. I could I couldn't guard anybody. I was maybe the worst defender in the in the NESCAC. <laughs> so I had to go someplace where I could score, maybe guard somebody. So that was a good place for me to go. But um, yeah, I mean, once you get in this area, once you make connections and in the in like going like I thought going to NESCAC and playing Division three basketball was a, was a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you, you you want something else. You want it. You want a, a new challenge, something different. And so I think the opportunity when I was a head coach at, at Clarkson and Hamilton to go to Siena and be an assistant for a couple of years was a, a chance for me to kind of like go out of my comfort level a little bit, try something new. And once I got to the scholarship level, life you know life gets a little bit better. So then I went to Stack, and I love recruiting with scholarships, scholarship players a higher level. And you know once you you get you know we had a lot of success there. I had a lot of success. Great great players. Mm-hmm. great players um you know great administration great coaches so we got we got it going and, and it just you know one thing leads to another like i'm not a i'm not a big picture guy i'm more of a one day at a time kind of person which is good for good for uh coaching a basketball team because you know there's ups and downs in the season so you know it just kind of it's kind of led me to being here but it's been a great journey i, I love being like i wanted to be a head coach when i was young my dad was a high school head coach for 30 years and i was around him the whole time so i didn't want to be an assistant i didn't want to be a guy who was um you know, I want to be the guy who could who could try things and, and put my system in place and and learn by making mistakes and and not always always you know having to do the conventional things. So we, we don't and we don't play conventional. We don't recruit conventionally. We're a little bit outside the box sometimes. And I think that's helped us be successful. In listen, I I have never had um, the jobs I've had. They've all been like Clarkson was hadn't been five hundred in twenty five years. We went five hundred our first year. Um, Stack was coming off like five wins the year before I got there, seven wins the year before that, and five. So like 17 wins in three years. And we turned that around in a hurry. And now at FDU is the same thing. So I'm <laughs> I haven't walked into a job where it was like, oh my God, this is a place where you're gonna win 25 games right off the bat. So it's never easy. Like, you know, we're having success this year. Man, it is it's hard. It's a grind. Like you gotta, you gotta I shouldn't say grind. It's not a grind grind is it because I lo- I love what I do, but it's you know, there's ups and downs. There's a, there's a roller coaster ride. There still is now. We we won a couple games, and now we got to go right back to work and get better for for what's ahead of us. So it's um. But I've I've loved I love coaching. That's probably all I can do. My wife is is pretty much convinced that the only thing I can do is coach basketball. I can't do much else. I can't really do things around the house, or I can't like change a change the windows and the you know or or, or um you know fix my car up or something like that. So coaching basketball is kind of the only thing I can I can do. I guess well. So it's a good thing I found something I can be successful at. That's it. You find something you're good at and and you stay away from your, your weaknesses. But I'm sure you're working on those. You know, Clint Eastwood once said, man's got to know his limitations. So <laughs> you clearly know yours, coach. Mm-hmm. They're pointed out to me on a daily basis sometimes, yes, but I, I do know my <laughs> limitations. Fantastic. So your your big recruiting job here, listen, you, you talked about the reclamation projects you've had and turning around Stack St. Thomas Aquinas from five wins to 15 wins. You had to bring some players in here and some players you can count on. And, and the two biggest recruits, I guess you could say, are the guys you brought over from St. Thomas Aquinas, your thousand point scores, your lead guards, 
Dimitri Roberts and Grant Singleton. Talk about getting them here and and having them with you once again. I got to be honest, probably the two biggest recruits might have been my, my co- those two are obviously huge, but I've also brought two two coaches with me, two assistant coaches who who were um, Cam Morell and Tom Bonnikin who were with me at Stack, who um, have been unbelievable. So they they kind of helped me through the transition. I, I would, it's, a, it's a team project, you know? So the three of us are like, you know, when the job happened, it was like, well, we're not going anywhere without Dimitri and Grant. Like we, those two guys, we got to mm-hmm. find bring those two to FDU because we had won like 100 and or it was 91 and 19 the four years at stack with those, with those three guys or those two guys, every NCAA tournament, we'd been in the sweet 16. One year it was canceled, but the other three times we got in the sweet 16, those two have won big games, championships. So they're used to winning and they know how we play. They know how we work. They know mm-hmm. our, our, um, our program inside and out. They know me. I could be a little quirky at times and um, they're just wonderful. I mean, I got, listen, I, I could almost cry thinking I've only got you know a certain number of games to coach those guys because it's been five years. I mean, five years is a long time. I've had them for five straight years, five seasons of coaching college basketball. That's all, you know, and a college season's like like you know, that's like four four or five years. Like it's like dog years, you know. It's like it's, mm-hmm. it's a long <laughs> season. So those guys are like they are they are family to me. They are um, they've been very successful both on the court and off the court. They're part like my wife and kids are. They know them so well. They're at the house all the time. So. They just been part of part of our whole situation, and so when it, when we got the job, there was no doubt about it. Now, listen, they had they had to come, they had to believe what we were doing, they had to come over there and see the facilities and see the the opportunity, and they took a chance because they knew going back to Stack, you can win thirty games probably next year. They we might have gone FDU and won and won five, you know. But those guys, Grant and Dimitri, are not guys who are going to win five games. Like that's just not going to happen. So I knew we got them over. We had a chance to at least at least be competitive, and they've proven to be. You know, I think two of the best guards, not only in the conference, but the area. And um, whenever we play a game, I feel like our backcourt is as good as anybody else's backcourt, whether that's playing against an A-10 school or a, a MAC school or an Ivy League school. Those guys belong at the, at this level. So at what point this season, Coach, did you think, you know, because let's face it, non-conference, you're, you're playing other teams out of conference. You don't know what you have in the Northeast Conference, but – at any point in the non-conference part of the season, before you started 5-0 and in the Northeast Conference, did you say, you know what, we can win some games here? We went to Loyola Chicago for the first game of the year. And my whole family came to the game from Iowa because it's in Chicago, so it's not that far away from them. And you know, there's, like, there's like 25 people. I, so I told them, I said, listen, this might be ugly. This might this might not be fun for anyone here. So just come, we'll have a good time. But like, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Like, they're, they're good. They're playing at home. The place will be sold out. Sister Jean's going to be there. It's right. going to be a bad house. And like, we may get, we may get our doors blown off, but like just hang in there. We'll, we'll be fine by the time we get to conference season. Well, we're down by one at halftime and with four minutes to go, we're up by three or four. I'm like, you know what? We, we're, we're pretty damn good. You know, so we, 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 we like, not just because we, but we were playing with them, but just like our, our resiliency, we're down by 10. We came back. Um, the place is going crazy. Our guys were tougher nails. And we, we lost. We got to beat a kid. We were up by two. A kid with length of four, 94 feet, caught a pass, turned, made a shot at the buzzer, forced overtime, and lost in overtime. But we uh, lost overtime to a Loyola Chicago team that was um, that was you know built to to play in the A10. Like so, so it was a, just a great. I think for me, but also for our players, like hey, we can be competitive. We can be okay. Like we're not gonna. We may not, we may not win 20 games. We may not. We have a chance to at least be competitive and. That first game, I think, maybe maybe set the tone for the whole season. Like we we played Pitt at Pitt in the ACC. We played um, 
So we beat St. Joe's by 15 at St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. The only game we've not been competitive in was at Richmond. We lost, we lost bad to Richmond. Otherwise, we've played like we're down by by seven to, to Pitt um, from the ACC, and we're mad at we're mad we're not playing well. I'm like, this is against this is an ACC school on the road. You know, we're supposed to lose, and we're right there. So we've we've been competitive all year long, and that speaks to the players and the fact that they are are um, they're they're just tough kids. Man, like people say, tough all the time. It's, it's the mental toughness. Is I think Bob Knight said it best. Like mental toughness is four to one um, over physical toughness. Like mental toughness is so much more important than physical toughness. So our guys are, they're resilient. They don't, they don't blink. They don't back down. We've kind of created that. We, I mean, we, this summer when we got the job, it's, it was hard. We, we worked hard that we were on the track at 6 a.m. We're, we're on the, we're running um, 20 suicides in 20 minutes. We're doing all kinds of conditioning stuff. And it was, we're in the weight room nonstop, but that's kind of part of, of building that, that mental toughness that can win um, when it all starts. No question, coach. And and then you start out the season five and all Northeast conference, right? You're winning games yep. and then you lose two games at home, sacred heart. And yep. then followed by a loss against Stonehill, which you had beaten earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So what did those two losses uh, do for the psyche of the team? Because then you bounce right back and won two straight since then. The, you know, the, the reality in college basketball, no one's going to run the table in the conference. Like you saw UConn get off to a great start. UConn was, was playing the best in the country. They, then they lose a couple of games. They're still a good team, right? They lose a couple of games. Right. Gonzaga, Gonzaga lost to, uh, was it Portland? Or they lost to Loyola, Loyola Marymount. You're not going to run the table. In the, and certainly, we're not at the level to run the, run the table. So we were we were happy to go 5-0, and but we knew there would be some bumps. And even now, there's still some, but we still have seven games to go. There's there's some, hopefully not a big bump. Hopefully there's mm-hmm. a bump ahead. It's a small one. Um but like, you got to navigate the season. And a, a good friend of mine said, "The losses make you the team you are when you get to March." And he's right. Like, like if you just keep on winning, we did that at Stack. Sometimes we'd win and win. We were like, like, like twenty in a row or fifteen in a row. But sometimes you don't develop as a team because you need to get beat sometimes and learn. Hey, this is not good enough. We have to get better. And but you need a bunch of guys who are, who are resilient, like like you said. Like you don't want to lose a two game losing streak could turn into a five game losing streak and all of a sudden now you're in fourth place a credit to our guys to to win two big games after that little little two two game losing streak and and now we're at the point in the season where it's like all right just one game at a time you know it's a cliche but like you you only got seven games left so it's like you can't look ahead to what's to come just try to take the next the next battle ahead of us and and keep on getting better a little bit now and and staying fresh you gotta you gotta you don't want to wear them down this time of year but i um i've just been impressed with the guys like i, I think you know, they, they just, they, you can coach all you want to and, and give the motivational speeches and talk to them and show them videos and put, put quotes in the locker room. They have, they have the character and the, and the um, and I told somebody it's a, it's the lowest maintenance team I've ever had. Like they don't, I don't think they do anything. I think they just play video <laughs> games and, and go to school and play basketball. Like there's no, no one's ever been in trouble. No one's ever late. They're always early. If we start a, a film session at eight 30, um, they'll be there like at eight. And like 30 minutes early, like, well, coach, you want to start now? I'm like, well, sure, we'll start. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like now, knock on wood, we still have some time to go here. But like, when you can just worry about the basketball, not have to worry about the other stuff, the, the maintenance and the, and the problems and the issues and, hey, who's, who's on time? Or, and like, not one guy is complaining about playing time. Not one guy complaining about the role. I never have had a, a meeting about um, being upset about the situation. So that, that part, that part is just, is just wonderful. So it's made, it's made it a fun year. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, Still, still a long year and still a hard year, but it's been a fun year. Uh, 
you know what? And and they're coming to practice. Uh, they're coming to these sessions 30 minutes ahead of time. Tom Coughlin would be jealous of those numbers. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So that game against St. Francis. All right. You come off the two game losing streak. Uh, you lose first place. Now you're looking up at St. Francis University, uh, a team that has Josh Cohen, one of the best players uh, out of CBA, another candidate for player of the year in the Northeast Conference. And you beat them 87-82. You get a, a career night from Joe Munden, someone not named Grant Singleton and Dimitri Roberts. And uh, you prove once again that, okay, guys, we can win big games. How about that game? And what was that atmosphere like uh, winning that game? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, St. Francis to me is we're, we're going to see St. Francis again, probably for sure at their place. And then probably again, hopefully for both of us in the, in the conference tournament. So we know that just winning the first game was just that's just one one part of the of the the process, you know. And and there, Josh Cohen is a tremendous player. I mean, he could play a lot of places. Like he's got great touch, great hands, um, can score any place. So it was good for us to win a game that like we kind of had to win that game. If you want to be a factor for the conference championship, like, you cannot lose at home to a contender. And we lost, we had lost two games prior to that at home. So we had to kind of stop the bleeding and and win that game. And so I thought our guys played great. Like like Joe Munden. Joe Munden, um, I get the job, and he didn't one time come in and say, I want to look someplace else. I want to go to the portal. He said, I want to stay here. I want to win at FDU. Um, I want to be successful where I chose to go to school. And there was never like a – he never blinked. He didn't say – there was never like whatever. And he's been terrific. And there early on, he had to adjust to how he did things. And there was there was some depth. The first month was hard for him because it was like, you know – this is how we're going to do things, Joe. This is this is our, this is our system. We have a certain way of playing, a certain way of how we handle things, and he had to to kind of adjust to that. But he's been awesome. You know, Ansley, Alamore has been, has been the three guys that are playing for us that came back: Sebastian Lamute, um, Ansley, and Joe Munden have been terrific for us. Great team guys, and they just keep getting better and better. And their leadership has been a big part of our success. So it's um it's been a team effort. Like we talk about the guys that came from stack, but like, there's been a lot of other guys who've been a part of this as well. So it's, um, and that makes it fun when you're not just dependent on one or two guys, but the whole squad, like Joe, Joe gets 20 um, in, a, in the biggest game, you know, so far of the year. And that's what a big part of why, why we won. And, and um, you know, he'd been coming off the bench and he missed the first, I think six games this year. So he's really come on. And as he gets better, that's going to help the team. So it's been uh it's been a total team effort, which is which is um, makes it more fun for everybody. Oh, coach, that's a that's a very good point about the players who were here. Right. They could have easily just jumped ship and said, you know what? I'm out of here. This is a sinking ship. Yep. I don't want to go through this again Four win season. So what have, have you talked to them about how much they're they're enjoying winning and enjoying playing for you? And, and with these guys this year, have they mentioned it all, Ansley or or Joe? I think they're having a really good time. I haven't asked them that because I, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want, you know, let's just enjoy it. You know, I want to be like, that, but they, they, I mean, they're smiling all the time. They're happy all the time. Um, and they're, they're fighting all the time. And they, you know, they, they want to win so, so bad. And sometimes when you lose, there's a little extra, extra determination, a little bit of grit and toughness that now, like, you know, we're down on Saturday to Merrimack by 12 in the second half and we're not playing well at all. And we just had a little bit more resolve a little bit of toughness. And where's, where does that come from? It comes from a chip on your shoulder. Like, like Dimitri and Grant went division two. They had no, they had no division one offers. They had no division two offers. You know, wow. Grant, Grant Singleton went to a division two school. The division two school said he's not good enough to play here. He should go someplace else. Division two school. 
And like Dimitri was at Mount Vernon and people said, well, he didn't, D1s didn't offer, D2s didn't offer either. So, you know, Joe Munden, Ansley, Sebastian won four games last year. Like there's a little bit of grit from, from uh, having that, you know, a chip on your shoulder and like a little bit of, of me too is like, Hey, I'm a division three guy, division two guy. I'm getting a chance to coach division one. Um, you know, I'm, we, we want to prove we belong. We want to prove that we can have success here. There's, you know, you don't, you know, nothing's taken for granted. You know, we want to, we want to prove that my, my staff is that way too. So it's been a, um, a little bit of, you know, the, and we play, we play up the underdog thing. Like you talked about the, the before this, the, the season, you know, we were probably rated ranked by Ken Palm, like out of 363 division one teams. I think we're like three fifty seven. We, we put that up on the locker room. We put up, we we're picked six in the conference or some, some places had us one pool had us last. We put that, that polls the one that went up on the line. We put, we put that up so people could say, Hey, we're picked, we're picked last in the NEC just so our guys could see, Hey, no one thinks you can do it. And then of course, to, within ourselves, we, we, we believe we could have a good year. And so, um, and I think that's a big part of it, just that chip on your shoulder. So now that you get there, coach, right, you go from, I guess, in some ways, being the hunters, and now you're the hunted. Yep. So it's a total reversal of fortune from where you started conference play back in December. So how are you handling that? Well, like I told you, first of all, we've actually become a pretty good team. So it's like it's it's, it's like we're, we're actually a good team now. So it's, it's no longer, um, hey, we got to, you know, overachieve to win or we have to. So when you're a good team, you just got to keep on, hey, we're good. We have, have a little bit of confidence. And then you just, just get better. You know, we talk all the time about getting better every day. And especially um, when it gets to February and March, where some teams start to fall apart. Like some, some teams are tired. Some teams are um, sick of each other, sick of the coach. We're trying to come you know, more together. And part of that is like we don't, we don't practice long. We don't go for, for over. We, we rarely go for longer than an hour and 20 minutes right now. It's short, short quick practices. Lots of lots of um, up competitive stuff, and you know, we just like I told you, we're just we're we're trying to get ready to beat the next team and not think big picture. We know the big picture's out there. You can't you can't deny the fact that like we we love to win this conference like that. They're going from worst to first would be a, would be a great story. But like you're not going to go worst to first unless you beat Wagner on Saturday. Like, you know you have to beat. That's a, what's a big home game for us coming up on Saturday. So um, our guys have been great. One day at a time. One game at a time. One practice at a time and just keep on getting better but i think we're we're a pretty good basketball team like i think we're actually like we're not a um it's not been like you know, uh, bells and whistles trying to trying to like, like you know schemes and stuff like we're actually become a, a pretty good team hey you're leading the you're leading the conference in free throw shooting percentage at 75% and now you mention it here comes wagner this is the ultimate offense versus defense right number one offense in the northeast conference number one scoring team against the number one defensive team and a great coach themselves in Donald Copeland. So how about this matchup that you're looking forward to? And you got to play them twice over the next couple of weeks, coach. So I, I know you're taking it one game at a time, but uh, how about this matchup, offense, defense, FDU against Wagner? Yeah, I mean, they're very impressive. And a lot of that goes goes back to how that program has been built from from Danny Hurley to uh, Bashir Mason, that they're just a tough, gritty um, they don't take possessions off on defense. They really guard every possession. So we have to be handle the ball, take care of the basketball, um, get good shots, maximize our offensive possessions. And we have to defend ourselves. And we have to be, and we have not been a great defensive team all year long, but we're we're getting better. And mm -hmm. so and we know we can get better. So it's like we have to be um good defensively and then hopefully, 
you know, get the game going in our temple, get it going faster, make them play a little bit faster out, out of the, out of the, you know, they don't, they want to play in the half court. They want to grind. They want to be, be tough. And we have to, you know, make them have to run a little bit more, play a little bit faster, but they're, they're good. Like we, you know, they beat temple to start the season. They've had some, they beat Fairfield. They've got some great wins and um, we know how dangerous they are. And they've, they've kind of been the, the bell, you know, it's them. And I'd say that they, they've been the best program in the NEC for a long time. So our guys know, like Wagner has a name for our guys where now it's like, we, you know, if we can get a chance to beat Wagner, that'd be a heck of a win for us. And we haven't seen him yet. You know, so it'll be February 4th. That's the first time we've seen Wagner. So it'll be, uh, and like you said, we'll see him the fourth. We'll see him two weeks later. And then we'll probably see him again, hopefully for both of us in the conference tournament. So uh, we better get used to playing them because it may happen. It may happen. And we're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to be just as tough as they are, which is, which is a pretty high level of toughness. Coach, I really appreciate you taking all the time and coming on the podcast. I do have one final question before we go. You talk about the history of Wagner and what that program has done over the years. But Fairleigh Dickinson has a very rich basketball tradition as well. And a guy who we covered for many years when I was at News 12 New Jersey, Tom Green, the Pope of the Northeast Conference and one of the godfathers of the basketball program. How have you uh, embraced this program and embraced the history? Has Coach Green come around and other players and former coaches as well? Yeah, back with Al, Al Lababo, who basically taught man-to-man defense, and and um, all the way through. And Tom Green's been a great friend. He's been he's come to he's probably been to fifteen practices, which has been which has been awesome. So we we developed a really good friendship. He texts all the time. He's always calling to check to check in, and he was there all summer long too. So mm-hmm. he's um got a lot of respect for his success. And yeah, I mean, listen, FTU's people know who FTU is. They've won for a long time. You know, the alums have been terrific as far as um. Want to get back for it. Actually, it's actually our, our alumni weekend is this Saturday. So a lot of alums are coming back. Seth Greenberg's a is a big FDU alum, and he's been he's been a, a great friend of, of mine so far. He came to our tip-off dinner, spoke at our tip-off dinner. So yeah, there's a lot of guys who want to be part of this who 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 have a special affinity for for FDU basketball. So it's um, you know, there's a we want to keep it going. We want to keep it going and add to the, the next chapter of success. And that's the goal. And like, you know, when you put a you put a banner up there, a banner for the uh, conference championship, a banner for the NCAA tournament. That's something that's up there for the next hundred years, you know. And so we're trying to, you know, it goes forever. So we're trying to tell our guys, hey, this is something you could do, very special that would add on to the chapter to FDU basketball. So we're uh, we're excited for the opportunity. You know, it's it's you want to be playing important games in February and March. And we're playing we're playing important games, and that's that makes it fun. Coach Tobin Anderson, Fairleigh Dickinson University, off to a great start. February's here. We wish you luck the rest of the season, and we hope to talk to you very soon uh, as we approach conference tournament and hopefully NCAA tournament. Thanks, Brian. You do a great job, man. I, pr- I really appreciate it. How great was that? You look at the path that Tobin Anderson has created for himself. You won't find many coaches in the history of college basketball coaching that have literally gone from Division three to Division two to Division one as a head coach. Not many. You're not going to find many coaches who have taken that path. And you're not going to find too many coaches that have had success on every level like that. What a story. And that story continues to unfold in Hackensack. Keep an eye on the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights. All right. Time to go around the tri-state. Let's start with St. John's. This team was eight and a half minutes away from their worst loss of the season against Georgetown on Sunday at Madison Square Garden. 
Georgetown up nine, not looking good for the Johnnies. And then somehow they flip the switch. David Jones hits a big jumper. A.J. Storr has a three-point play. They go on a 9-0 run, tie the game at 64, game on. Then it all came down to the final minute and a half. Both teams got the shots they wanted, and sometimes, as you know, it comes down to who makes the shots and who gets the stops. St. John's didn't get the stop as much as Georgetown didn't hit the shot. Bryson Mazzone hits a three ball. St. John's down two. They call timeout with 18 seconds to play. And then Mike Anderson draws up a play. St. John's down two. They come out of the timeout and Georgetown goes in a zone. Great play by Patrick Ewing. Look at that play, ladies and gentlemen. Go back and look at the final shot because this is not what Mike Anderson drew up. Trust me. Andre Curbelo and St. John's, they're trying to run their play. They're set, but it's against the zone. So Curbelo has to ad lib. He takes off, dribbles baseline. He's got two options. Adeyawusu in the corner and A.J. Store on the wing. He zips it out to a wide-open A.J. Store who takes the shot, and the freshman knocks down the biggest shot of his college career. I mean, afterwards, it was great, right? He's like, well, you know, I I've hit game-winning shots before. This just happens to be the first time I've done it on the college level. So there's a guy who is not afraid of the moment, even as a freshman, to take that shot because he's done it before. He's comfortable in those situations. So Storr puts St. John's ahead, 75-73, with four seconds to play. And then Georgetown gets their play. It goes out of bounds. Now they have 1.2 seconds in their half court. And, oh, my, did they ever get off a shot. Somehow... Mazzone got freed up at the top of the key, pump fakes, gets separation, steps back, releases the ball, and it rims around the cylinder and out. Georgetown came that close to winning at the buzzer. I don't know if it would have counted. It was close. They didn't have to replay it. But as I watched it, I'm like, I think it would have counted, but it doesn't matter. As I said, sometimes games come down to making shots, getting stops. Georgetown got the shot, didn't make it. St. John's gets the win. A.J. Store, oh, by the way, for his heroics, ends up being named Big East Freshman of the Week. Congratulations to him for the second time this season. He went through some lumps early in the year. He came in as a heralded recruit, a four-star player, a top 100 player who's finally learning what it's like to play on this level. You heard Mike Anderson say after the game that, hey, he loves to score, but he needed to learn how to defend. And now he's defending, he's earning his minutes, and he's helping St. John's win Big East games.
They're going to need him against Seton Hall on Wednesday. The Pirates are coming in off a big win against Butler. For the second time this season, Seton Hall blasted Butler by more than 20 points. I mean, you talk about a matchup nightmare for Butler. They were never close in either game. Seton Hall won the first game by 25 in Newark. They win this game by 21. Butler led 4-0, and then Seton Hall goes, goes on a 13-2 run. And meet me. They pulled a roadrunner, folks. They ran away from Wiley Coyote and just put this game to bed. By halftime, Seton Hall built a 20-point lead, 38-18. to 18. Think about that. 18 points is all Butler could score in the first half of a Big East game. That is defense. What a homecoming it was for the Davis brothers. Dre Davis led all scores for Seton Hall with 15 Tay tipped in with four. The only concern, and it's a big one, is that Dre Davis did hurt his ankle late in this game. He sprained his ankle and had to be helped off the court. That's the only thing that ruined this homecoming for the Davis brothers. Kaderi Richmond had a big game as well. Once again, filling the stat sheet, 10 points, five rebounds, five assists. Seton Hall doing it on the defensive end. Once again, get this, folks. This season... Seton Hall has held three Big East teams and eight teams overall to 52 points or less. Eight teams this year, including Butler twice, including Rutgers. Seton Hall has held them to 52 points or less. That's what happens when you defend. You give yourself a chance to win. So now the Pirates have won three Big East road games in a row. They've won five of their last six. They're at six and five with nine games to go in the Big East. The schedule will get tougher, but for the foreseeable future for Seton Hall, here's the way it shakes out over the next three games. At St. John's, home to DePaul, home to Creighton. We've done this before. If Seton Hall wins all three, you're talking about winners of four straight games and eight of nine. Now you're peaking into mid-February going to Villanova. Let's take a look at this St. John-Seton Hall game. A lot at stake for both teams, a little bit more for Seton Hall. But remember that first game. St. John's was out and running in that first game. They were up 18 to eight. If you remember, Seton Hall calls timeout. And then from there, the Pirates took over that game. All right. Soriano started out hot. David Jones started out hot. And then it turned into the Alamir Dawes show and Kaderi Richmond show. Remember, Richmond hit that three at the end of the half to put Seton Hall up five at half, 42-37. That momentum carried into the second half. Seton Hall was more physical. Al Dawes was five for 10 for, from three in that game. Other than Joel Soriano and David Jones, St. John's got nothing. St. John's is a different team now. Omar Stanley's playing well. A.J. Store is certainly playing well. 
Seton Hall is going to see a different AJ store this time around. For St. John's, they need to force turnovers. Seton Hall needs to hold on to the ball. St. John's needs to establish Joel Soriano in the paint. They need to control the boards. And St. John's needs to be able to hit the three. Will Penzone be healthy? Will Posh Alexander be healthy? Those are question marks. Store, Soriano, Jones, Adewusu, those are the key players. If St. John's can get all four of those players going, Seton Hall, on the other hand, we'll see if they can get anything out of Dre Davis because he had a big game against St. John's the first time with 14 points. Femi Odakale is playing well. He has his confidence going. If Seton Hall is defending in this game and not turning the ball over, they have a huge advantage. The way Seton Hall is defending now and holding on to the ball, those are the keys. They are able to win a lot of games right now with that formula. It's going to be interesting to see Tyree Samuel and Joel Soriano battle inside. Who's going to get the better of the two? Who is the big man that will be able to stay out of foul trouble? That's another key. Wednesday, 8.30, Carneseca Arena. Seton Hall and St. John's both looking to build off of weekend wins. It's February, folks. Things are starting to take shape in college basketball. Put it in golf terms. It's moving day. It's like a Saturday in a major golf tournament. February becomes moving day in these college conferences. As always, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, please give us a review, tell your friends about it, and share it. My name is Brian Dinovellis. Enjoy the games, everyone. We'll see you next time.